passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. On Saturday, November 19th, post-wrestling turns five years old. Hey guys, it's Jay from Colorado. You know, I listen to, to you know, post-wrestling every, every day, whether it be the main shows or uh, MC Later, the Wellness Policy or, or WrestleNomics. Um, I just want to say having you guys in my life just makes me a better person and it makes every day better. I appreciate everybody on the post-wrestling uh, team and uh, I, I love you guys. Thank you. Leave your memories at memo.fm slash post-wrestling and join us Saturday, November 19th at QXT's nightclub in Newark, New Jersey for our five-year anniversary show presented by our friends at Real Digital. A live Q&A, the post-origin story, VIP meet and greet and event t-shirt with the largest gathering of the post community ever. Tickets available now at postwrestling.com slash live. we are live with Rewind to Dynamite, John Pollock here alongside Mr. Waiting, just minutes after AEW Dynamite came to its conclusion from Norfolk, Virginia. How are you tonight, Way? I'm doing pretty well, John. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing tremendous. Tremendous. Okay. Outstanding. I buy it. I believe uh, it. I'm on a high. I'm doing great. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, lots to discuss on uh, tonight's show. We're going to be getting to all of the, the dynamite happenings, and we will be getting to your feedback as well. If you want to drop a, a super chat, if you're in the uh, the YouTube live stream, you can, you can do so. And you can join us every single Wednesday night right after Dynamite when we are live here at YouTube.com slash post wrestling. Hit subscribe. If you're not, are you out of your mind? That's the only question I have for you. And are you out of your mind if you're not coming to the post-wrestling five-year anniversary show on Saturday, November 19th? Because that's the only valid explanation if you have not purchased your ticket yet at postwrestling.com slash live. Because you would be crazy. You would be lacking pure logic to miss the chance to come see Way and I do our live Q&A to participate in one of the world famous Braden and Davey games that they have constructed where uh, Fire Frank is going to be defending his championship. I understand. I mean, we, we've got a title defense with way more buildup now than John Moxley and Penta tonight. So that is coming your way on November 19th. You're going to see WH Park. You're going to see Brandon Thurston. You're going to see our man Neil, who's jumping continents to come over to this show. I understand that one Scarborough dad is going to be leaving Scarborough for this very event. But 
if there is one guest that I am just at the edge of my seat to have joining us live to meet for the very first time after years. I have never met this individual, but I'm going to see him in living color on Saturday, November the 19th. The man that has made the double underscore in vogue. I'm talking about Andrew Thompson, who will be with us at the post-wrestling five-year anniversary show. Andrew, are you like uh, deceptively tall in person? Are we going to find out? Are you like uh, seven feet tall when we, when we finally meet you in Newark, New Jersey? I, I, I am not on the, the, the tall side, but I am a very, uh, very, very friendly individual. So, so I'm very looking forward to see, uh, very much looking forward to seeing everybody. John and Wade, what's going on, my good man? Good to see y'all, man. Long, to- long time no uh, visual see, I guess. Yes, I, I have got to remark because you know what? Uh, back when we were just starting doing the video with Andrew, I mean, it did look like you were joining us like it was like a hostage video. You know what I mean? Like it was grainy. I thought like, you know, it's uh, we, we don't negotiate with terrorists, but for Andrew, we might have to. And look at this man's <laughs> camera now. I mean, this is that that's some 4K like that is crystal clear, Andrew. I say me, me and Way used to joke all the time when, we, uh, when, when uh, on the days when you when you couldn't make the the post daily news. <laughs> we used to joke, and one, and one dude in the chat said I had PS PS two graphics. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man! But, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody in New Jersey, man. It's gonna be a good time. Um, I, how I, much I do you charge for How much do you charge for autographs so that our our listeners know <laughs> when, when when you're there? I mean, will you be uh, will you be available to 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 the people? <laughs> I, I would not be charging a cent for an autograph. Man. I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody. Um, I, I I don't think I'm. I'm trying to remember have I met anyone like from within the post like network in person before, and I I, I don't think I have. I'm I'm maybe I ran into somebody in in um in, in Dallas for WrestleMania weekend. I'm, I'm not sure like anything with beyond like. The, Four or five days ago seems like <laughs> like lost in my memory, but I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Who's, man, it's gonna be fun. Who's the most intriguing personality that you're looking forward to meeting, and why is it WH? <laughs> WH, you, you wanna know what? Uh, yeah, yeah, messaged me. Um, I, I guess he found like I, I guess you know we all like in the same we gonna be in the same area, so yeah, messaged me and told me we was gonna be like in that same. Same space, and I'm looking forward to me and WH. Uh, looking forward to me and Benno, um, and everybody that's going to be there, man. It's going to be, and most importantly, hold on. I, I hear that uh, Brandon from New Jersey may, may be, maybe in attendance because we all going to be in New Jersey. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to me and Brandon too. Yeah, I, uh, I I have not figured out this weekend because myself, Andrew, and Neil will all be at this in Newark. I don't know what the site is going to look like that oh, weekend. Like, we're we're, we're going to have to figure out a plan that weekend. We, we we will figure something out. We we will make we will make it work. If I got to bring my laptop to this place just to, <laughs> just, just to make sure that we get some stories up, I, I I promise you we will we will we will figure this thing out. We will have something on the site that day. Well, tickets are available right now. Postwrestling.com slash live. It's the post-wrestling five-year anniversary show presented by our friends at Real Digital. And we'll have some information about uh, Real Digital uh, later on in the show. So tickets are available now. Uh, you can get the VIP tickets, which come with an exclusive meet and greet. Uh, only a couple of VIP tickets are left. So if you want to get the uh, the VIP experience, and uh, a t-shirt. you should act now. And it also comes with an event t-shirt. And then there are the general admission tickets that include Braden and Davies live game show and the Q&A and you get to hang out with everybody as well. So that is Full Gear Weekend, just minutes away from the Prudential Center at QXT's nightclub. Are you excited, Way? Very. Counting down the days less than a month ago. 
Well, there we go. Saturday, <laughs> November the 19th. We're going to move on to uh, some of the news that is, uh, that is dropping uh, since we've got Andrew here. And I guess the most uh, noteworthy um, portion of tonight's Dynamite show was a brief video that aired uh, featuring the elite or what will be of the elite. And this seems to be the first kind of signal, Andrew, that it's only a question of when uh, these three yeah. will be returning. And this also comes off the heels of kind of the latest um, coming out of that whole incident at All Out. Nick Houseman at Wrestling Inc. has a report um, stating that uh, Larry, the CM Punk's dog, was accidentally injured in this whole thing. Ended up uh, several days later when he was at a uh, he took uh, Larry to a pre-scheduled veterinary appointment uh, that Punk was informed that two of Larry's teeth had been knocked loose and had to be removed. Uh, this in relation to uh, the way that the locker room door was uh, kicked in. Um, you know, there's been kind of varying reports of how exactly the elite entered uh, the room. But this is just the latest chapter of this whole saga uh, surrounding All Out. But Andrew, I just wanted to do a little bit of a catch up with you of kind of how you see all the pieces landing here on on the board with those that were involved at All Out, because it certainly seems like the elite now it's now it's building for the return. It's not so we're, we're moving to the next phase of this whole story. Yeah, I, th- I think like, of course, with the elite, you know, the, the, uh, having them having that vignette pop up on Dynamite, I think one of the things that probably immediately pop up in people's mind is, well, where the things stand as far as CM Punk goes? Because, like, they're all, like, intertwined in this whole situation. Um, I, like you said, I do think it's a, just a matter of, like, when. Like, I, I am curious as to, and I, I, I kind of wonder you guys' thoughts, like, do you think they'll bring them back before Full Gear so they can be on that show? Or do you think it, it might be best to continue building and maybe do it on the Dynamite after Full Gear? I, I would say like the, the fact that the, the tease has started now to me, it's like they've made that decision to bring them back. I think you would want to, you know, have this, whether their first appearances back are at full gear or like, like that, that would seem to be the target where, where we're a month away and this is something big, big that they can uh, build to. If it's a, if it's a trios match, if it's an appearance, I think that that would be, um, something significant for the pay-per-view. So I would be looking at that as sort of your, your timetable for this. If they're starting to re- release these videos now and, and get the buzz generated for, for that pay-per-view next month. Yeah. Are you I, I certainly feel like if it's a pay-per-view, they need all the help that they can probably get in terms of star power. So I'm assuming a return is probably, um, will probably be confirmed before the pay-per-view itself. I say I, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to like, uh, like what that first appearance is going to be like. I I don't think it's no doubt in my mind that they probably get like a big reaction, like positive reaction. But I, I'm I'm wondering like if they'll. I mean, I, I don't think they'll like ever address it like publicly, well in, in in detail as far as like you know the the near future goes. But I am curious as to like what the what that first promo segment is going to be like when I'm assuming they're all going to be in the ring together and like that the vignettes. Um, you know, it's seemingly like indicating like what like well you know with, with them vanishing away from from certain stuff like what would it would be AEW or would there be an AEW if there wasn't for you know the, those three right there that, uh, that's propped up on the screen right there so it, it definitely is an interesting thing and I'm, I'm very curious to see what that first uh on screen segment is going to be like where they're able to you know speak to the audience yeah I mean we're kind of now shifting from you know all, just all of the fallout of that and what the ramifications were going to be now it feels as though you know obviously these three are coming back I don't know if that was ever too much in doubt but yeah. now it's like exactly Andrew how do you handle this because 
it's obviously the giant elephant in the room, but they also may be handcuffed just in the sense of like what if if there ends up being some kind of buyout with punk, if there's some kind of language for a non-disparagement, like they can't talk about this incident, they can't work it into th- certain things, like if there's going to be any of that kind of hang up. Looking at, at the CM Punk side of things, Andrew, like what are you looking at in terms of his future um, with this company, with this industry? Uh, honestly, man, I, I think if Punk is going to come back to wrestling, I think it's a thing of like maybe maybe it's time to time to take a look and look in the mirror, man, and like figure out like exactly what you want and like and like you you seen we seen like or, or heard some of the reports that have came out from you know reputable sources about like how maybe CM Punk is viewed and you know how sort of the locker room is sort of shifted a little bit like even you had like talents like Warlow who have said that you know the guys like uh Moxley and Jericho and Danson have stepped up and really gotten the locker room back on track and like gotten things in order and stuff like that and you know even coming off of the uh DeAndre you know those Sammy Guevara situation um like as far as CM Punk goes I I think it's a thing of like Punk Punk is going to have to you know if like because I mean we don't know like the all the specifics of it we just know like the stuff that's coming out like maybe there has been some communication there but i think j- just just going based off what, what i know like i think it's going to come to a situation where punk is going to have to make amends to eventually these people because i mean you, you i think everybody has been in a certain situation like in any type of workplace uh like you, you're not gonna get along with everybody you work with and, that, and that's just that, that's just the fact of what it is but like when it gets to the extreme of you know y'all getting physical with one another and you know you was you know pe- people's dogs getting hurt and you know people's wives being on you know being involved in some way somehow I think it comes to a point where you gotta get everybody to sit down and you gotta really break down like what's the root uh, of this issue. So I think but Punk is gonna be the one that's probably going to you know step up and you know make those amends and you know to, for for everybody to come back together eventually. But as far as the bow goes, like I, I saw that too. Like that, that would be a very, very interesting thing because I, I think you know a lot of people were sort of talking about the idea of you know Punk going back to the WWE. I, I, I would be extremely surprised if that happens. Like I know we always you know that you know you you never know in wrestling, but I, I just can't see like especially when you got one executive there and uh Brian Rodol James who does nothing but talk trash about CM Punk like on a weekly basis on this podcast. I. It, it would it would just be hard to imagine him being going back into that environment when you got people literally at the top or, or near the top who trash him on a weekly basis. It's, it's, it's just hard to fathom that. So I would imagine either Punk is going back to AEW or he'll take a break for a little bit, maybe like a one or two year hiatus, and then we might pop up somewhere else. But I, I think that just remains to be seen. Uh, just going back to this uh, report from Nick Houseman that just dropped tonight from uh, Wrestling Inc., uh, just a portion of it here. Wrestling Inc. has been told that Punk felt threatened. This is in relation to the all-out uh, backstage fight and reacted in a legal way under Illinois' Castle Doctrine laws, which allow for the use of force in defense of a person in their dwelling. At this time, there's no litigation against Punk on behalf of anyone involved. It was also relayed to us that Steele's wife, Lucy, was in the room during the incident, but has not been interviewed as part of the internal investigation into the matter. Finally, we were informed that following Hangman Page's comments on a May episode of Dynamite, alluding to backstage concerns about Punk, there was distrust on Punk's end going into the championship match with Page at Double or Nothing, and that Punk was concerned that the predetermined match would break down into a real physical fight. So this is uh, 
this, this is going to be like this generation's like Montreal. I, I feel that way, <laughs> like where we are going to just get so many versions of uh, uh, of this story, and uh, for for probably years to come of people dissecting this one night in AEW's history. Do you uh, weigh look at any possibility of a reconciliation with CM Punk and AEW, or is this just a question of it's very clear the elite are coming back and Punk. Like, uh, uh, like one side was going to be, um, y- you were essentially going to mediate with one side, and it's just not possible to bring these parties all back under the same umbrella again after what has gone down. It, reconciliation, I think, is is always going to be um, on the table if there's money to be made. Um, but in this scenario, I don't see it happening for a long time. Um, currently it still seems like there's, you know, obviously, uh, it's, it's obviously in the midst of litigation, not to mention a locker room that I think from, you know, what, if reports are to be trusted, you know, it's a locker room that is, uh, at this point harmonious without CM Punk and probably, mm-hmm. you know, prefers to exist without CM Punk and, and, and just, you, you have just so many hurdles to overcome that, um, I don't see it happening anytime soon at least you know what what you would deem to be this current generation of aew again years down the line when talents maybe you know uh, tom hill is all wounds and and if cm punk is, is still chooses to be active in professional wrestling um it, years from now uh, then it's very possible but i i don't see it happening you know for the next next little while I actually saw uh, before, before I jumped on that PW Inside had reported that the Elite were at the show. They were at uh, mm-hmm. Dynamite backstage. So that that's, I mean, it, I, mean it, I don't know how long, like maybe that, that may not be a new thing. Maybe it's like just getting reported that they're back, but like they were, uh, according to that uh, report from PW Inside, they said they were at the, at the show in Norfolk. So that's a, an interesting little tidbit that they're already, you know, back behind the scenes, assumingly, or maybe just there, you know, just checking things out. So that's kind of the the latest that we have in terms of like if you watch the show tonight, like obviously like the the elite are you know fi- figured into plants and they're you know reintroduced on, on television and now it's moving forward to the next chapter. The questions will remain, I guess, about uh, CM Punk and what this ultimately means. I mean, we had the uh, the story in the Observer last week about a buyout being discussed, and if that is the end of CM Punk's AEW tenure. It will certainly bring about the the speculation of anything to do with WWE or if this is the last chapter in his professional wrestling career, which would be quite the quite the sour note to end a, a wrestling career on. But I, I don't think anything's off the table, Andrew. I think that you could look at this as like, what are the man's options out there in professional wrestling beyond WWE? Hey, hey Wayne, John, isn't it crazy? Like how <laughs> when you just think back to a year ago? Like where we were, like around, like last month, this last month, last year, uh, September, October last year, September last year, CM Punk was getting ready for his first match in AEW at All Out against Darby Island. Fast forward a year later, here we are. Like, th- like it's crazy how like drastic things are as far as his return. Because like I, I remember when he came back, like I'm, I, I've never seen like such an overwhelming response for a talent come back into the professional wrestling space and then fast forward a year later it's like this dude is like just on it's seemingly on the outs it, it's crazy man like that how things are just changed like that the industry moves 
really fast. And I, I feel like 2022, especially, um, I feel like it's moved maybe a whole decade, you know, in one, I mean, <laughs> in both companies, right? Um, so it's going to be a really interesting end of year show. Um, and who knows? Maybe next year, maybe he'll be back. You know, maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know. Anything can happen. Are are you? I keep coming up with like questions of all of this. Are are you surprised at all? Like this wrestling ink story that uh, comes out. Like it's noted in there that you know Punk was asked not to talk about this. This is certainly like from Punk's perspective here that mm. you know he clearly is you know whether you know this was uh cm punk directly uh addressing this or people very very close to punk this is obviously you know punk's uh side of this whole thing that we're now seeing and on top of that yes the elite being backstage at at dynamite tonight like it it does kind of show you like what side is on the ins and what side is on the outs like that kind of how this is playing out it feels like yeah are we surprised that we're hearing like something from punk side of things? Um, I mean, you know, uh, like after all this time way, like it's been, it's been, you know, almost two months since this, this happened. And now he's felt uh, the need to get, you know, a certain side out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't exactly know maybe how uh, Nick Hausman might've, might've received this information. I mean, we, we don't know if it was necessarily directly from punk or maybe some from a party that, that is just kind of well in, in the know. But, no, um, and I'm not going to speculate on on that. I'm just saying, like, this is obviously, you know, this is CM Punk's side. Like, this is, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, so what was the like specific verbiage CM Punk's camp? Like, that was the the verbiage that was used in the in the report, right? It was came from CM Punk's camp. Um, it, yeah, I believe so. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, is the person from the camp acting upon the uh, like their own sort of um will to 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 let this information out i i could see like maybe somebody on his side wanting to defend him and and bringing up his side of the story because it's it's at least public perception to me has been very one-sided in my opinion um and against cm punk um and you know there's no clear like who's right who's wrong i think in any scenario like i'm sure it's it's a mix of 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 the two and and maybe it's it's kind of about time we've heard a little bit from what punk's justification might be for his part in it so uh we'll move on to another story that has um is kind of playing itself out uh publicly and that is uh, the the ongoing issues between uh carl anderson and new japan which if you look at it from like uh the way carl anderson is playing it like it like it certainly feels as though he is, you know, playing along with this story. Um, but this was after uh, New Japan had put out a statement on uh, on Tuesday evening uh, stating that New Japan has, for the past several days, attempted to negotiate with Anderson, but has not been met with a response. Should Anderson decide to renege on his scheduled championship match, he will be required to vacate the never openweight championship and return the title belt to New Japan immediately. Uh, you have Hikuleo cutting promos that he doesn't want the title vacated. He wants to beat Carl Anderson. And then Fightful uh, is reporting that there are uh, still and uh, always have been active plans for Carl Anderson to compete in New Japan. Uh, we have not heard an update on the title itself, but that New Japan does expect Anderson to, to, to fulfill additional dates, which WWE was fine with, adding that New Japan was aware, uh, going as far back as August, um, that Anderson and Gallows were going to WWE and mm. stating that the situation and things are fine with Anderson, New Japan, and WWE. My overall question is, like, what is in this? Like, uh, of first of all, this is very unlike New Japan to be 
promoting something that they cannot deliver. Number two, it's like, what is the value of pushing this whole thing? Like, no disrespect to Carl Anderson, but it's like, this guy is with WWE. It's like, are we like, we're moving on. You know what I mean? And it just feels like we're having this story that, I mean, this match is not going to take place on November 5th. Could it happen at some other card? I guess it's possible. Um, I think new Japan very much believes it's going to happen on another card. Um, you, you, I'm sure you have people speculating about these New York shows this week that New Japan is running about, you know, Carl Anderson maybe showing up and dropping the title. But it just seems to me that it's like New Japan is like you've got Obari going in Tokyo sports and talking about yeah. this. And it just seems to me like it's just very off brand for New Japan to be putting um just so much energy into this story rather than just, okay, we didn't have this guy under contract. Let's just move on and focus on the talent that we do have under deals. Um, instead of like, I just think new Japan comes out of this just looking really poorly, no matter how this ends. My feeling is that, you know, they probably booked Carl Anderson in this match, not expecting that WWE would also be booking him on a show on the same day. They probably expected him to be able to make this date, whether or not he was signed to the WWE. And at this point, I sense it's just them trying to kind of save face by ultimately, you know, eventually promote having the match take place kind of in, within their promotion um, rather than just, you know, um, letting go of the situation and kind of looking bad coming out of it. Um, they seem to be confident that this match is going to happen at some point um, and how they get to that story there. It seems like they might have to jump through some of their own hoops and, and contradict some of their own, you know, previous sort of rules in order to get there, but they seem rather confident. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement that like, you know, ultimately we're talking about a Carl Anderson match here for the never open <laughs> championship that like, you know, who cares? Right. But I, I do get the sense. It's more about like not wanting to look bad at this point. Yeah, I think that this is kind of a mix of like being on different pages. They may have a belief that this match is going to happen. I will, um, you know, I think for Carl Anderson's sake, he should absolutely do this match um, and, and drop this title. Um, but at the at the same time, if I was WWE, um, I, I wouldn't be bending over backwards if I've got this guy under a deal and I don't have to send you to to do this match. Um, exactly. It just seems like it's 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 just like the the advert continuing to advertise this match for November fifth when he's being advertised for another show in another part of the world that same day. Um, it, it's just it's very unlike New Japan. Like this seems like something that yeah, here in North America you would see this kind of thing, but New Japan it's like they do have a, a certain credibility in, in that country when it comes to how they promote things, how they treat talent, missing shows and such. And this just seems to be. Um, it just seems to be a mess of a situation that if they believe that it's some grand payoff, if they can pull this off, I think they are sorely mistaken about the, the juice not being anywhere near worth the squeeze of, of this, uh, this whole title change and, and, and getting and this match in the ring. And just piggybacking over there, what you just said, John, like I, I, I think that there are maybe some like higher ups in New Japan who may be liking the buzz that they're getting from this and, you know, playing into the whole, oh, you know, we tried to contact Carl Anderson and, you know, he, it's been difficult, you know, getting to reach him and stuff like that. Like, when I'm, first of all, like with New Japan, like, honestly, like they're way too big of a company to be like letting people hold their championships and be running around without a contract 
like uh, 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 something outside of a, a handshake deal or a verbal agreement. Like this dude is like literally holding one of your championships. You would think you would at least have him under some type of deal. Like, I mean, especially like you say, multiple people pointed out that, you know, they, 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 they've uh, dipped out on, on, on new Japan before. And like, you got them working with them again, you came back and working with them again. And they, you know, ultimately ended up signing with WWE and, and they've known this since when well, you said that the fight report know that they've known this since August. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know the storyline eventually had to play out, you know, with Hikaleo, uh, you know, realigning with Tama Tonga and, you know, uh, the, the part in Bullet Club. But like, I, I, I think once they eventually get to this point that, you know, Anderson drops the title, like, I do think that eventually at some point down the line, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll drop the title. I don't think they're going to vacate it from him, but like whenever they do this, like, I, I hope that it is, that do Japan thinks whatever the outcome is, is, is worth it. Cause I, I just don't see like anything like beyond like this, this happening. Like, uh, it's like, do they think like a partnership is going to happen or some type of <laughs> crossover is going to happen? I, I, I highly doubt that. Oh, I would be surprised if that happened, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, like, like kind of like I always said, it's a, it's a Carl Anderson match, man. Like, <laughs> okay. That's what we're, that's what we're building towards. Are we going to get that Carl Anderson Hikuleo showdown that everyone is uh, in- anticipating? This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, Just a, a few more things here. Uh, coming out of NXT on Tuesday night, I would say the most... um interesting aspect of NXT was the official on-screen debut of Simone yeah. Johnson, a.k.a. Ava Rain, the 21-year-old daughter of uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, joining the schism uh, with uh, with Joe Gacy and company, introducing her as the uh, the, the masked uh, hoodie-wearing uh, member of the group, the disruptor. Um, she cut a, a very brief promo, and I, I just was... Um, not so much stunned, but it was very interesting, Andrew, to see how much like attention this debut Man. got. Like, um, Sports Illustrated, People, um, Entertainment Tonight, like everyone, you know, The Rock's daughter debuts on screen. And I'm just watching her on Tuesday. It was like the spotlight that this woman is going to have on her is gigantic. I mean, it, it reminds me of like D- uh, David Flair in WCW. It's like she will be, um, the comparisons are just going to be so unfair. Um, but, and she's learning just here on national television. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, she's been in this system for years. It's not as though they just, you know, rushed her to television. Yeah. They have been very, um, you know, she, she had a, a, an injury in there, but, you know, they have, they have, I, I remember way being at a WrestleMania when she was sitting in the, the box with all the NXT people. Like that's going years back. So, you know, it, it's been a very slow, um, maturation process and i mean she's only 21 so um it's just a very interesting person to be watching because i think that she's gonna have so much attention on her because of her last name and the the fact that they are actively kind of going away from that with a different name and even the promo kind of distancing herself from the lineage 
I, honestly, I, I, th- I think that that might be kind of smart to do because, like, like you said, there is going to be like a lot of attention on her. I, I don't, maybe not so much pressure internally, but pressure from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, you got the, the Sports Illustrators, you got your New York Post, you got your Fox Sports. You know, everybody's like all these major outlets are covering this because she is the Wayne of Rock Johnson's daughter. You know, with that comes a lot of a, a lot of attention, and she is, you know, was it fourth, fourth, the fourth generation wrestler mm-hmm. in their family, like in, in that, you know, in, in that lineage. So. I mean, I, I do think it's kind of smart for there to sort of divert her away from that just for now. And like, I mean, I, like, you, I'm pretty sure they're not going to like sit here and like act like she's not The Rock's daughter. But I think it's more so about sort of let her sort of carve her own path and like find her own way a little bit, like without, you know, completely relying on, you know, or, or, or completely relating her to, you know, the fact that her father is like this megastar who there's a time to do that. And yeah. I, I don't think this is the worst idea of like a different name. It's like I, I know we all looked at like Braun Breaker, like here was a layup. But I, yeah. I just think this is a very different performer. It's it's something to be the son of Rick Steiner versus the daughter of The Rock. And I think that, you know, you know, she, she's coming into this in it, it, to me, it's, it's a very difficult system when you're starting from scratch. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think she's even had a match in front of no, people. She has. She's like mm-hmm. she is. Compl- she did a pro. She did some promos back in the spring at live events. But I mean, she's been in the performance center like that is her experience. And it's going to be on national TV, like talking. Eventually, you'll have to do, do a match with her. But that's that's a very tough learning process for for somebody to be having their first match on national television. Like it's it's going to be very similar to like her father. But, but see, the thing with Braun Breaker is like when you talk about like those comparisons and like how people was like, well, why don't you just call them Bronson Rick Steiner or Bronson Braun Steiner? Like the thing with people eventually got over it because Braun is a success. Like, in, in, you know, when you're looking at it, just breaking it down, he's a success. He turned out to be a success. So I think for her, it's probably going to be some of similar vein. Like she'll have to in, like turn out to be a success. And like I, may, maybe it might be good for her to be in this group setting because you have people to bounce off of you like it's not just you solely i think it'll be very different if they were just throwing her out there as ava rain with like a bland personality or like here she is is the grand reveal and then she's on her own like now you got uh zach gibson and james jacob riffile and jagger reed along with joe gacy who are good on the microphone and they can be able to she can be able to bounce off them like you know some experienced vets and I, i i think that might be good you know just to just to start off i think eventually you know they're gonna break her away from that and like maybe she'll have that singles spotlight but i think just starting out with all that attention that's gonna come on her it might be good for her to be surrounded by three other individuals who are established and have been doing this for a long time yeah for me it's like it's certainly a surprise to see her fit in this sort of spooky type of gimmick but i think it's exactly for that reason that like, you know, we, we, we probably shouldn't be expecting her to just come out to, to, play the rock for instance yeah. you know like, we I also mean, she could have she could have been attending chase you i mean she could have been there yeah, with rock. Thea yeah. Hale. i mean um we also don't know what she herself likes we don't know anything about her own personality we don't know how much involvement she had in her decision or uh in in, in the choice to to perhaps be in a, in a, in a, uh, a stable like this 
maybe this is who she is. Maybe it's closer. Maybe she's more comfortable playing this sort of character than, you know, um, I don't know, whatever else is ex- expected of her. Um, they're not, they're going to dance around the fact that she's, she, you know, she's the rock's daughter, but like, I don't even think they have to dance around it so much. She, she kind of made, you know, clear allusions to it. Talking about, um, this being sort of like a, a, the, the, the family for her that, um, you know, where she doesn't, uh, need to live up to expectations. So I, I, I'm, I was actually impressed, you know, from what little we got to hear of her. She sounded somewhat comfortable uh, on the microphone. And just remember the amount of incredible amount of pressure that this person is under, knowing how many eyeballs are on her, including her father's, which I'd be most intimidated by it, uh, of all. Um, but you know, like let's let's just kind of temper our expectations and realize this is somebody relatively, you know, new um, in, in in at least on TV in, in a professional wrestling business, and 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 just let her kind of develop, you know, um, in, in a smaller role. Get, get maybe she should, maybe she should have she should have cut the promo at the end and said, "I'm more of a Marvel fan. I think DC sucks." Ooh, there wow. we go. Get, get, can y'all imagine? the amount of eyes that are going to be on her when they announce her debut in ring. Can you imagine? The, the, They're the probably going to build that up to be like a oh, big yeah. episode I, I, of, I would of too. NXT. Yeah. 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 I, w- I would too. Definitely. If, if I was like, you know, lean, I, I would definitely be like, building. that's like, that's a big deal, man. Like, and especially like we, we just talked about like the amount of uh, outlets, major outlets that were covering just her popping up on screen when they formally announced that she's going to be wrestling on, on TV or on, you know, one of their, uh, 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 specials or premium live events like that's going to be like a, a, a major deal for for them and you, you would think that they'll I, I'm, I'm just curious as to who like who, who they'll pair her with because like, I mean uh, relatively there are a lot of like younger talents in NXT like lesser experience I guess I, I, I would, I'm just curious as to like who would be that first person that you would want to throw her out there with on the national televised or national televised stage or maybe you take the south route and do like a mixed tag with somebody from the schism versus uh, another female competitor and another male competitor like maybe maybe that would be the easier route to sort of take less pressure off of her like for her first go around out there on you know on, on the big stage quote unquote mm-hmm uh, some ratings notes. Monday's Raw did uh, 1,641,000 viewers. It was sixth for, for the night on cable, a .45 in the uh, 18 to 49 demo. So they were uh, they were down 10 percent in the uh, in the demo this week. Uh, big third hour drop. They fell 17 percent in viewership uh, throughout the show. Um, but it was, um, you know, a, a decrease from the last several weeks. It was a three week low for the show going against uh, Monday Night Football. Um, they did. A very, very low number in Canada because they were on uh, OLN. Um, but amazingly, uh, 35,000 people in Canada way watched Raw from 2 a.m. till 5 a.m. on Sportsnet 360 overnight, which is almost identical to what NXT did last night in Canada as well. So that's the, the 2 a.m. slot. They, they've got that on lock here in Canada. And then uh, Ava Rain's debut drew 716,000 viewers for NXT and a 0. .15 in 18 to 49. So they were up in viewers, but interestingly enough, like among their younger audience, including 18 to 49, they were down 18% this week from last week's episode that had to go head-to-head with Dynamite. So I, I think that's... Um, uh, somewhat surprising the fact that they uh, decreased among like uh 
their key demo this week without having that dynamite competition. They were up against uh, the NBA. So uh, that was uh, number one and two for the night on cable. So that was your uh, ratings breakdown. And the last bit of news is from New Japan. Uh, we finished up the first round of the TV title tournament. So as the never openweight championship might be uh, lost in the ether, they have more than enough championships to uh, f- fulfill that vacancy. Uh, but today at uh, Korakuen Hall, they had a cheering show. Fans could make noise as Toriyano defeated the great Okan with the assistance of the great mm-hmm. Muda, who showed up, blew mist into the face of the great Okan, and then announced that he wants to team with Toriyano and Kazuchika Okada against great Okan and two partners at the historic crossover event on November the 20th. Because nothing says uh, New Japan stardom interpromotional relationship <laughs> like the great Muda, um, as he will be uh, part of that show. Uh, but the big match to go out of your way to see Narita defeating uh, Tomohiro Ishii in the main event. I heard about that. Man, this was, uh, it was just under the 15 minute time limit. And this, the crowd cheering, this was like, the best reaction for a New Japan show to me in years. They're all chanting Narita at the beginning of the match. They're all like sensing this could be his big win. And he had just a phenomenal performance, uh, with Ishii, uh, winning at the end with the Narita special. Um, Go out of your way to see this match because the uh, the pace of the match was incredible. Ishii was just tremendous here. And Narita, just his fire, the sequences that he had with Ishii, it was a tremendous match. And the crowd cheering, like it it, it felt like New Japan in a, in a time warp. Like it felt, it felt like 2018 and a hot Korakuen Hall main <laughs> event. But this was a... Uh, uh, this was definitely my match of the week uh, so far to, uh, to see this. So if you haven't checked that one out, it's uh, it's well worth the uh, the watch. So now Ren Narita advances to take on Toriyano in the second round. I don't know if he will uh, yield the same results as he did with Ishii, but um, I, I feel they should go all the way in this tournament with was, Ren Narita to win the tournament. I was just about to ask you that you think they should go out. Yeah, you think they should go I out would. with Ren? I thought this, like, he felt like such a big star to this audience. Like, this was this breakthrough moment for him tonight. And just looking at the field, like, you know, um, you know, a Zack Sabre Jr., sure, that's, that's nice. You could, you could put Zack in the finals. But to me, this would be where, you know, Narita's fresh back from this excursion, go all the way. And to me, like, this is, I like the concept of this. TV title. I'm not yeah. crazy about the number of titles they have, but this is a welcome concept to me. And Narita could really establish this this title as as something. Yeah, I, I think one one of the cooler options that they could have is that they do go all the way with with, with Narita. I think there is a possibility that, that they maybe run it back with Shibata at Wrestle Kingdom because I know that happened mm-hmm. early, earlier this year, and then maybe Narita defends it against Shibata, and then he ends up getting the win. You know, now that he's off the of excursion, I think that that could be a cool little full wraparound story that that, that New Japan does if, if they are uh, if they do go all the way with Renarita. And I, I do gotta go. I, I want to go check out that match. If it's if it's good as you said it is, I, I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident in this one holding up to uh, even the most uh, d- dissenting opinion. I th- I think you will uh, <laughs> totally enjoy this match. So uh, there you go. That is the latest news. The second round will be kicking off uh, with Thursday show, which is also a, a cheering event at uh, Corakuen Hall, and then the semifinals on November the fifth, unless uh, WWE scoops up anyone and books them on. Saudi Arabia that same day. So all of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. You can follow Andrew at AD Thompson, double underscore. And uh, you've just dropped an interview uh, with Kylan King. So where can people go uh, check that out? Yeah, you check it out on my YouTube channel, Andrew Thompson Interviews, and the written version is up on uh, Post Wrestling as well. 
very, very much enjoyed that conversation with Kylan. And uh, thanks to everybody who checked it out as well. Big shout and the NWA podcast is uh, this Saturday. You guys are all yep. getting together. Yeah, myself, uh, Nate, Chris, and, and we're going to be joined by Rich Fan from PW Torch. Always Ooh. looking forward to, uh, to talking with those guys, man. It's going to be a good conversation. And we'll, we will be live on the uh, on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel as well. Hopefully yeah. no technical difficulties like uh, like, like last time. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out what, what version of uh, of Chris we're going to get on uh, on Saturday. Will it be Moderna Chris? Will it be... Who, who knows? Oh, during the Chris, you, you got Dr. Chris. You, you got like four different versions of Chris. All, all versions of Chris are welcome. We, we always... Uh, Love talking to Chris, man. And I'm excited to talk to Brother Nate and uh, Rich Fan as well. Always a good time talking to Rich whenever he came on the show. Come on the show. Uh, Rich Fan might be another name that might be dropping by Newark. So um, I'm excited Ooh. to meet all you guys um, in Newark, including you, Andrew Thompson, of course. So. And Chris, uh, Dr. Chris is going to be there as well uh, in Newark mm-hmm. as well. So what a what a get together this is going to be. So Saturday, November 19th, Andrew Thompson will be there, everybody. Just watch Type these the tickets. Well, They're just going to be gone. <laughs> Post our articles on the site. <laughs> Doing a live Q and A, man. But yeah, now I'm looking forward. To this. this is going to be a good time. I think uh, I forgot who described it like this. I was just talking to him. They was like called it like a post multiverse or something like that. Like what everybody just within this network. It's going to be hilarious. And uh, I, I got a score to settle with uh with Neil because uh that's right. Brother Neil, he, he eliminated me from that up next rumble. So. I'm, I'm holding on to that, and I'm taking that with me to Newark, New Jersey. So he's, he's coming all the way. Out. He's coming all the way over here to, vi- to visit. Uh, Andrew, thanks a lot for uh, for chatting the news with us, and uh, of course, you can find all of his work at postwrestling.com and subscribe to Andrew Thompson interviews. It's a must follow on on YouTube along with Post Wrestling here. So check out the Kylan King interview and all of his his back catalog of uh, great chats. So Andrew, we'll see you in Newark, and uh, thanks for jumping on tonight, man. Uh, peace, John. Away. Have a good show, man. Thank you, Andrew. The right. goat, ladies and gentlemen. Did we did we dominate too much their way? I feel uh, I feel you were observing. I'm busy trying to keep up with your conversation with all all these like images and and you were on fire and shit, you, dude. You like, had that stuff up quick. It's had- a lot of work. Nobody sees what I'm doing back here, but I'm control. Like I got a million things going on back here, including John. Yes, something that we should be talking about, and that is the people responsible. For post wrestling's five year anniversary show, they are real digital. For people who don't know what real, who real real digital is, it's our friend Robert S. Pearson's uh, media company. He has been gracious enough to offer so much of his services to allow us to put the show on, and he's not asking really for anything in in return except for us to mention that he has a media monster mash fundraising event that is taking place this Friday. October the 28th, uh, and it is all being done in support of the Doe Fund. The Doe Fund, their mission is to break the cycles of poverty, homelessness, and recidivism. I I should probably know how to read that word a bit better. Through economic opportunity, housing, and comprehensive supportive services, they are looking to raise 20000 and they can use all the help they can get. Uh, So if you... Uh, choose to read a bit more about the Doe Fund and check out the donation page. You can find it right here on our YouTube channel, and you can also find it in the description of today's show. So again, that is Real Digital and the Doe Fund. They've got their Media Monster Master fundraising event happening this fr- uh, uh, um, Friday. So um, all, uh, all all the best to them uh, in, in their support, and we want to thank, of course, Robert and Real Digital again for helping us put on this show.
Yes, uh, the, the the team over there is doing a, a ton of work uh, helping uh, plan out this this live show for us. So we have got a lot of cool things planned uh, for our show. So uh, give them some support because they're doing uh, a lot for the the post wrestling world uh, during this whole uh, promotion. Tonight we are going to get into Dynamite from Norfolk, Virginia. Nate Milton country at the Chartway Arena and uh, WrestleTix reporting uh, right around 3,000 tickets out for this show, well down from the last time they were there, which was around 48, 4,900. So like a, a sizable decrease from the last time they were there. Uh, no Hangman Page on this show. There was a brief mention during the Danielson Guevara match that Hangman is at home recuperating and he'll be back as soon as possible. So not much of an update beyond last week's statement, um, which with when it comes to a concussion like there is not going to be that that timetable like concussions are going to work on their time yeah yeah i understand mm, maybe not having that much news to to give and and maybe not giving it um or not spotlighting it as much but i think just given sort of the concern that so much of the audience had in going off air last week i think this deserved a bit more than just a brief mention from excalibur in the midst of a match i think they should have at least you know shown the tweet that the statement that hangman page put out there you know um letting us know that he's okay that's as much as i think the audience who might not might, might not be online you know throughout the entire week I think that's, uh, you know, as much as, as they, they want to know. So, um, I was a little bit disappointed that, like, you know, they, they didn't spotlight, you know, the medical update a little bit, little bit more. Yeah. I, I think like you would, if you weren't paying attention, you might have missed the line from, um, from, from Excalibur when, when he mentioned it. So, um, we, Go into the show, and it kicks off with Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia against Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. And it starts off with uh, Castagnoli and Yuta each landing with elbows. Uh, Angelo Parker is getting involved. They fight on the floor. And then Garcia avoids the swing with upkicks to Castagnoli. Hager then gets involved, tripping up Castagnoli. And then we go through the picture-in-picture. Yuta gets the big tag, and Jericho hits him in the throat to stop him. Uh... Claudio comes off the middle rope into a code breaker. Yuta's in to make the save. And then Yuta with a dive onto uh, 2.0 on the floor. Jericho gets the bat, but he's stopped with a powerbomb by Castagnoli. And he's looking down at Jericho. The crowd knows what's next. And he lifts up Jericho for the swing. But with an accent in the form of Daniel Garcia on his shoulders. So he delivers the giant swing with Daniel Garcia on his shoulders. And he got more rotations than I would have thought um, with this thing. Like he got this around several times and this crowd went nuts for this uh, variation of the giant swing boots Hager off the apron and then does his like power up spot. That was a very famous sequence on on raw uh, many years ago where he just takes out everyone like right out of a video game laying Laying out uh, Garcia, uh, Menard, and Parker back into the ring. Neutralizer pins Chris Jericho in 11 minutes and 42 seconds. And I thought they did a hell of a job of setting up uh, Castagnoli for the next, well, not the next ROH title shot, but a future ROH title shot. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I, I think... You know, this proves to me again that any combination of these Blackpool Combat Club guys together in some form of a multi-man match almost always guarantees a great match. I thought you had some really great showcase runs for Claudio and Yuta here. 
to me, it's it, it was Yuta that definitely like stole more of my attention than even Claudio here. He, to me, has been somebody who's been really leveling up lately. His intensity has always been strong, but now it feels like his confidence and comfort also feel very good now. And again, we all, you know, I, I think a real turning point, at least for me on screen watching him, was that MJF feud. Um, again, it's very easy to see who might have won it at least on the microphone if you're you know judging by by that but i think the confidence that he showed in even mm, going up against mjf and being as um vocal and, and as being as um i don't know um being able to survive that as 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 well as he did showed me that he had a lot within him and once you've gone up against the best everybody else is sort of easy in comparison so or at least not as big of a challenge the crowd at this point i think has really taken to him too um he to me got a bigger reaction than even claudio here so i think they're doing a great job with yuda right now as we'll go on to talk about in the next segment and then uh also claudio versus jericho setting up that rematch too in terms of uh claudio going for the title so Final battle tickets go on sale a week Friday. So I'm very interested to see if they want to announce that main event next week, which, you know, it's kind of difficult when you're building to full gear. But you you probably, for an ROH show, I would think when tickets go on sale, you at least want to have the main event. Is Jericho Claudio, is that like a sizable main event for, for final battle and instead of full gear? Yeah, I, I only hesitate, John, because we saw it, you know, and, and at this point, if you're trying to charge somebody for a pay-per-view, I I would honestly have to, you know, argue that you should be putting your best foot forward. And, and I don't know if like a rematch is the best foot forward um, when you have, I think, you know, at least our expectation is a Samoa Joe match at the end of this, uh, you know, in Jericho's run to conquer all the former ROH champions. Um, they seem to have altered that storyline a little bit today. And I mean, from this, I don't see any sort of interaction with Samoa Joe happening anytime soon, especially while Joe still carries that championship and he's in the midst of, uh, you know, the war Joe sort of campaign. So, um, it looks to be that that direction, John. You know, Jericho versus Castagnoli. I know the match will be great, but is it as like fresh of a matchup, or is it as like you know clamored for of a matchup as it would have been without that first match? Mm, not as much to me, but you know they had that. That's that's where the build comes in, right? That's where the TV time comes in. That's where Chris Jericho cutting a big promo and building a storyline comes in. So I, I hope they manage to do that. Yeah, I mean you. You'd be looking at full gear of final battle as the, the spot for that match. So Renee interviews uh, Renee, by the way, you know, they joke that Tony Schiavone has been fired since they've got Renee now, who did about a dozen interviews on this show. So Tony Schiavone gets to sit now during Dynamite. Uh, she's with Brian Danielson. And he said how he's frustrated, frustrating after losing to Jericho several weeks ago, frustrated that Daniel Garcia chose the Jericho Appreciation Society and frustrated that Yuta talked back to me last week. A lot of people have issues with Sammy Guevara. I'm going to take all my frustration out on him. And Yuta walks in stating, we just beat Jericho and Garcia. I'm a grown man. And then Danielson cuts him off and slaps him. And Claudio's got to get in between them says, it's a great day, and it's Wheeler Yuta's birthday, and we're going to discuss this like adults later, which was a line that would actually pay itself off later when the Blackpool Combat Club were all in a room together and would be locked inside of a room together. Um, but yes, it was Wheeler Yuta's birthday, and he got slapped by Brian Danielson on this great day, according to Claudio. 
can't think of a better birthday gift. Are you kidding me? Uh, um, also, it's Punk's to- birthday. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, happy birthday to him too. Um, you know, it's good to see a more fired up Brian Danielson here. You know, I feel like he's ever since he's, you know, over the past year returned to AEW, he's promised us a more angry, violent version of himself. And I certainly feel like he's achieved that in ring. I can't necessarily say he's done the same as a personality in these, you know, as sort of like a character. Um, I've never over the past year gotten as full of a sense of who he is as I did back when he was in the WWE. And maybe that calls to attention, the type of the style of programming, you know, that one company favors over the other. Um, And the lack of promo time, I would say overall that I feel like we've had with with Brian, at least compared to people I would consider to be on his level, like a John Moxley or a Chris Jericho. Um, And I hope this is maybe a signal that, you know, some, some that is starting to going to change. Um, there's like a popular Reddit thread I saw this week about people asking why Danielson was not necessarily being promoted as much as, you know, a Chris Jericho or a, a John Moxley as one of the, like the faces of the company. And and for me, um, besides the booking and him not necessarily winning a whole lot of matches, I, I certainly feel that lack lack in, in his promo time, in his character development time. Um, so we got to see a bit of it, of it here, you know, him being really fired up, getting pissed off. Um, so I hope to see a bit more is all I'm saying. Then we had the video of the elite. So it was just various images going right back to the, the announcement video on the Eve or New Year's Eve of uh 2018 going into 2019 where they they had the phones and you just have the cutouts of the young bucks and omega uh disappearing and then uh at the end a logo of aew uh with the e in the middle disappearing as well so yeah this had a very much uh back to the future vibe with the the photograph yeah i've seen i've seen you know in game referenced of course um yeah i I mean, yeah, it's nice to see AEW play with some like video teasers, you know. Um, was, uh, was, than, was all out the snap? I I think in some ways, um, it was the fall. The press conference really, really was the snap. <laughs> it was the press conference. Well, maybe the instead of, instead of the Infinity Gauntlet, it was the Infinity <laughs> Cupcakes. Uh, wow. Okay. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, uh, yeah, it's nice to see AEW play with some video teasers to build anticipation without, you know, having somebody explicitly talk uh, or cut a promo. Anytime I watch something like this, I always try to study maybe like some of the techniques and just thinking how somebody were they were able to like make up the rest of the background of that image. Um, <laughs> anyway, just really nerdy like Photoshop stuff. I this is I what I want from you. Watch. <laughs> yeah, how did they like? How did they? Um, I mean, I know how you do it. Like, I suppose you like, you know, you, you take a, you take a clean image and then you just kind of like, pay, but like, it's hard, it's much harder to do with video, like moving pictures. So I, I'm very curious to know like how they manage managed to do this for so many. And they, they did a relatively decent job. I felt. What did you think? Uh, would you need the, the content aware filter? Would that, would that come into play at all here? I, I would assume maybe a lot of content aware fill uh, might've been used. Yeah. Do, do you look at this as any kind of, um, like when they come back of sort of rebranding that or just some change to their characters, like almost getting away from the elite, the way this video was, was set up. Like they come, it's, it's like a different presentation of them than we're expecting. 
So this will be really interesting is to see like what the reception to them will be, um, whether as baby fa- whether they'll be treated as baby faces or heels. This, they'll get a monstrous pop when they come a, back. That first, yeah, game. a video like this, you know, talking about them like wanting to change the, like reminding us of all the warm fuzzy feelings we had of the elite as sort of like the fathers of this entire company seems to me like they're being promoted for a big babyface return. Um, and does it change them? I don't necessarily think so. They were babyfaces when the company started. So if anything, I'm not even saying babyfaces are heels, but more so like getting away from like the elite, uh, getting like coming up with some like different idea of just how they're like this, this, this video, it was like about the, and I understand you're playing into like, will they ever come back? But as well, like the idea that the elite is dead and now there's something in their, uh, in so- their, kind of reinvention of the elite like a change of name for the group they are going to be together and if they're going to be together i'm going to assume they're they're going to just keep that branding as the elite because Mm -hmm. it's a malleable name you know they can they can they can they can change up their characters but still be called the elite um you know for me if if, if their first appearance is at the pay-per-view is that um is that a satisfying hook for the pay-per-view? Just the three of them showing up, not wrestling. Or do you think that not their first me. appearance is television? I, I think they, they need to be advertised for a match. And, you know, obviously they have unfinished business with the trios uh, tag team championships. And I think that would be a perfectly fine match to promote. You know, Death Triangle versus um, uh, the Elite, you know, just as a rematch. If if the Death Triangle are, are still champions by that point. There, there's a, like a history between you, the, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, Omega and Pac. They have had their matches in AEW. Like there's a lot of connective tissue there. And just them coming back, um, yeah. you know, uh, as we mentioned with Andrew, PW Insider reported they were backstage on Wednesday night. So that's a, that's another dynamic as well, like coming back as evps as as well like that um that that whole dynamic to to things as well so um that this was the most notable thing i think on the show obviously because it's Mm -hmm. uh, kind of been this lingering issue and and now the question will be uh will tony khan speak about any of this no, I'm not no, going to comment. No comment. I, I don't know how that video got on Dynamite. <laughs> I, you know, at this point, I, I don't. I don't even know if he needs to. I, I don't even know. I, I don't know if I want to hear the elite speak that much. You know, like they, they, I, I think they've somehow kind of landed into a scenario where there's a bit of mystique that that's attached to this group that wasn't there before. We haven't heard anything from them from their side. And I almost feel like you should run with that all the way up until the pay-per-view. Simply have the match made. Simply have maybe the Death Death Triangle call them out. And then have them appear without having said any words, um, you know, until until the match and and until the the week after, even. Um, Run with this, you know, mystery a bit. Okay, here's here's my other hypothetical question. They're on full gear. Do you put them in front of the media after for the press conference? (laughs) i'm serious they are the most newsworthy three individuals on that entire show do you put them in front of the media for 20 minutes after the show feeling john is um what is there to gain from these press conferences if you're tony khan and all elite wrestling what are you looking for for these if there's any semblance of any sort of legal issue involving this group i don't think you have them appear because you're only going to frustrate the media 
who's want, going to want to a- ask these questions and, and, you know, they'll ine- inevitably just have to deflect everything. Um, if they're not going to answer, I would suggest that they don't appear. Yeah. Well, um, uh, we will, we will find out. Um, I'm sure all of this is going to unfold in the, uh, in, in the coming weeks. Shivani is with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, I was able to see everyone in this segment. I could barely hear anyone in this segment because the audio was a mess. Um, there was all like everyone was focused on the audio. I was uh, just baffled that this production guy, his head is popping up at the bottom of the screen. I mean, this was just th- this was some like really poor production. Yeah, somewhat unfortunate. You know, it's live TV. Like this stuff happens. Um, and if anything, I I would say like they've had a pretty decent track record over the three years of like this not happening more. But hey, man, like something must have got miscommunicated here. Something went wrong. Maybe wow. he was trying to fix all the all the audio. Maybe something. I mean, maybe maybe in. that was it. it. Just was. Um, it was enough that you could hear Jericho. He's issuing a challenge next week to a former ROH champion, and they're in Baltimore. Like that's that was you know Sinclair's home market, uh, and Sammy Guevara. <laughs> so was this a tribute to ROH? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, it was it was white balanced. So I mean, it was not quite. Maybe that'll be next week. <laughs> Baltimore. Yes. Okay, so Sammy Guevara. <laughs> Which is today's uh, uh, John Pollock impression in the top 31. Shout out at Archive Away. Um, yes, and then Sammy Guevara ended it with a, with a promo. FTR against Swerve in Our Glory. The Acclaimed came out to watch the match, and we have the gun club dressed up as FTR in the front row. The FTR tried early on to hit the big rig onto Keith Lee. They really should have tried it on Swerve, but they were adamant about doing it to Keith Lee, and it took multiple tries. Then Keith Lee, after avoiding this big rig, does a leapfrog. Now I know what you're thinking. Okay, like Keith Lee is a big guy doing a leapfrog. It's it's impressive for a guy that size. Dude, he leapfrogged over both of them yeah. and then took them out. This was incredible. This was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He did a vertical put his legs out and both guys ran under him. I just could not believe this. Yeah, it, it, it really was amazing. And, and probably like somewhat overlooked of a, of a, of a feat at, by the end of this match, you know, because I, but in the no, end it was not just for me. Frog. This is what I took out of this week. This Renderita and uh, that Elias Chad Gable moonsault knee spot. <laughs> God. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's incredible. Like the, the vertical leap that a man this size has and his um, incredible f- flexibility in his hips. Man, wow! it was just beautiful. Um, Cash then gets sent off the shoulders of Lee into a sit-out powerbomb by Swerve. Cash is fighting them one-on-two. Dax then runs in, catches Swerve coming off the turnbuckle, and eventually hits a slingshot powerbomb onto Swerve. Lee is in with a pounce. Then uh, FTR goes for the powerplex, and Cash doesn't fully land the splash, but kind of lands on his back. Um, and they went to show the replay, but they would not show the splash, um, which, I mean, it was fine. Uh, then I, I, another, I, I thought, I thought it kind of, the crowd popped for it regardless. And the announcers were like, yeah, he still landed on his back. It was like, it was fine. He was like well, trying to get out of the way, but whether or not intentional, I mean, the announcers rightfully said it, it, it this was the reason why he kicked out. He didn't mm-hmm. fully land it. Yeah. Um, it, it worked out in the end. So second big rig, it cannot be hit to Lee. And then finally they managed their third attempt, but swerve pulls Dax out to the floor 
which doesn't cause a DQ, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but this spot seems to be back in vogue in professional wrestling. The uh, just yank the uh, yank the guy out right in front of the referee. Should spot. it cause a DQ? I mean, you're. I you're, don't think it's ever has it ever been a, a DQ. People have pulled the refs out even, and that's. Well, well the, guess, the pulling the ref spot is a, a bit more uh, egregious, but nonetheless, knock the ref out, I suppose, by doing that. But. It's just doing it right in front of the ref that just kind of I, I just feel like it's why can't you do it, though? Because you can save you can kick, you know, um, the legal man to, to save a, a pinfall. So why can't you pull them out of the ring? I mean, you're 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 you're, you're interfering when you're not the, the legal man. Like what's uh, what, what's, what's how's that different from running in to break up a pinfall? Well, we don't know what the the AEW rules are of like like you get one free free save. They they had done their their one free save in this, but they've like in WWE that's like the unspoken rule. You get one save, and then after that, it's a DQ. Man, I just I I know I've heard that. I've just like I've not seen it like implemented. Referees, they, they have done it on occasion on on Raw. It was like years ago, but they did it once and explained the rule. Um, but then there's a roll up by Dax for a two count low blow by Swerve that the referee does not see, nor does Keith Lee. So he capitalizes with the Big Bang catastrophe, pinning Dax in 1506. So we'll get a third match with Swerve in our glory and the acclaimed. But like the finish here was the idea that Swerve once again uh, cheated, but Keith Lee like did not see the low blow. So he won and we'll find out if he watches Dynamite or not or if he's just <laughs> going to be oblivious to this going into full gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he was in the match. I don't know if he'd want to rewatch it again, but they 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 kind of have the same thing going on with a death triangle and and, and pack. And um, I mean, you kind of have to do some of these things sometimes, like when you're trying to tell stories where one person on the team is a heel, the other is a, is is a baby face. I'm not too bent out of shape about it, um, especially when a match like this happened. It was. A hell of a match. Sort of your like PWG style of match when you're left with like no break in action to breathe. And I thought it was great. You know, um, Swerve to me especially was, was my personal favorite to watch in this match. He seems to be somebody who's really found his swagger, um, as of, you know, the acclaimed feud. He's to me operating at a level that is beyond what we saw of him in NXT and certainly what we saw of him in the WWE, uh, main roster, which was, wasn't really anything. To me, it feels like he's like, performing as his best self and it's really exciting to see because this is a sort of that i could certainly see as a world championship level contender um he was just so much fun to watch his cockiness throughout the entire match and it wasn't just the wrestling moves but it was like him laughing after pulling you know uh dax or cash out um just the cockiness was just great so seems like they're building to ftr versus guns and i saw a lot of people like online were disappointed that ftr weren't, weren't the ones getting the championship match here there's still time, you know, before they. That's a, that's a really hard ma- like that's it's a really hard match to book. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be taking the titles off the acclaimed, and I don't think FTR should be going for these titles unless they're winning them. When when you've got the other three, um, I, I'm not crazy about FTR and the Gun Club. I mean, it's it's certainly you know it's it's a fine match, but that to me is a final battle match and less of a full gear match to me. Perfectly fine, like final battle match fine i suppose like yeah i i don't even i don't even i don't think it's good enough for a final battle i think i think you you know what you're right because you're following those roh pay-per-views with the briscoes and ftr all year like that's um you know and the guns can have a perfectly serviceable match but i'm 
I don't know if people are buying that pay-per-view for perfectly it's serviceable match. It's a dynamite match. It might even be a rampage match, if I, if I have to be honest. Perfectly fine, I think, for a character. You know, the the guns are very entertaining as personalities. But, I mean, for a pay-per-view, I think you want something a bit juicier. There's still time for FTR to challenge for the AEW championships, you know, before they drop the others. But for now, you got to focus on completing this trilogy because there's money to be made in the third in the rubber match between the, the three who who do you think wins do you, do you think swerve and our glory wins wins the belt back um or do you think the acclaim keeps it i mean your your natural inclination was that the the acclaim should retain the titles i will not be disappointed at all if, if lee and swerve win these belts back i love this team yeah. i think they're great together i don't want them to split i really don't mind like i'm not a fan of the um the partners that can't get along but they, this is such a fresh take on it that it's um it just works with these two and i really enjoy these two as a team together i think they're much you know down the road you can do something with swerve but just given how packed everything is on this roster i think these two would risk getting kind of lost without each other and i think being a team has certainly helped both of their causes in aew so Mm -hmm. um I would expect the acclaim to retain, but certainly would not be disappointed if if it ended back on on Lee and Swerve. But yeah. I, I think they want to probably approach that first match and certainly outdo the second match that was the big pop at the end for the title change, but not as memorable as the first. I'm more partial to having Swerve and Argori win the belts back. And for me, the reason is because I think they're stronger in-ring competitors and therefore stronger people that you can promote big matches for whether it be on a pay-per-view or like i don't know even a battle of the belts i think the acclaimed are great but to me they're more personality based characters and it's certainly over as hell but the most over of any team right now in the tag division but i don't long term they don't need the belts either like they Mm -hmm. are in their own category um yeah but they they do have something too i wouldn't want to just extinguish that it's it's a very interesting match to to put together Mm -hmm. yeah so renee had her next interview with uh Britt Baker interferes in uh, and just gets called a bitch. So it looks like we are. Oh, it looks like they are going to Soraya and Britt Baker and setting this up. That seems to be the full gear mm-hmm. match. Yeah, this was a segment to set up a talking, a talking segment, segment next, next week. week. They're yeah. going to sit down though. They were standing up this week. They're going <laughs> to get chairs next week. Listen, um, I think it's. I just I feel like we we need more substance from Soraya by this point, and I, I I'm assuming this, this we're is going my favorite game of like what someone flew to a whole different state for. Like <laughs> Soraya came all the way to this show for thirty seconds of this to pretty much say let's talk next week. We need like I, I'm assuming we're going to get it next week because I guess when you're sitting down, that's the time to deliver some bigger news, right? Okay, fine, but it's it it overall has just taken us way too long. To finally hear explicitly that Soraya is back as an in-ring competitor, they made us wait too long for it. Um, and I they can already excuse- dropped it though. Remember, like they mentioned it a few weeks ago that she's cleared. So they explicitly said said it because I, I I forget. I know that they were teasing it when she was getting physically involved with with Britt Baker, but did they actually say? On commentary that she's been cleared. I'm trying to remember the segment. Like she got physically like involved. Uh, that that there week. was an insinuation from Excalibur that oh maybe Britt Baker's sources are wrong, you know, and that she's not actually. But like to me, like the big announcement and, and the, the announcement I'm assuming we're going to get next week is that I'm medically cleared. I'm back to to, to you know to, I'm, I'm able to to get back into the ring. 
I, I just <laughs> I feel like we've we've they've dangled it too long, and then like they've had Sabrina not appear for certain weeks. So that by the time it, it actually well, there was one week she had to go back to England, so they were kind of w- w- without her for for one week. Um, so, well, so I'm, like I'm you just... tell me, you tell me they couldn't have shot anyway. I, I, the momentum for me has it has completely deteriorated for for this area thing. They can win me back, of course, with a great segment next week. I'm waiting for that great segment. <laughs> And I certainly let let them sit. Let them sit and explain to you why. Well, well, even beyond that, I I did not like the segment because beyond it being a segment that told you nothing, beyond Saraya and Renee being so happy that they're back in AEW. Or oh, don't even start AEW, with me, bitch. <laughs> they had these two just like argue like little like school children, you and know. And then they got scolded by Renee. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I didn't think it was great, but listen, like, they, there's still plenty of time to tell the story. They can certainly win me back next week. We go to break. We come back. Dude, Renee's in the, in the arena now. Like, she was all over this show. Um, They're getting their she, money's, money's worth with, with Renee. Oh, my sure. God. She was just all over. So she brings out MJF, and MJF proceeds to do a mock John Moxley. <laughs> he does a mock walk of John Moxley. John and then, Moxley. Yes, John Moxley. Very good. I was I was close on that one. Sorry. And then did a John Moxley promo before calling him mid and said and he prefaced all this with all due respect. And Renee said, You can't just say with all due respect and then say something disrespectful. And MJF just boom. With all due respect, shut your mouth, Renee. And this crowd just they love him. They they go nuts for this. He brings up Regal and insinuating that he can't beat John Moxley without using his dynamite uh, diamond ring. So he promises he will not use this ring at full gear, which means maybe he has like a new weapon that he's going to introduce at full gear. And he doesn't need the ring. He calls Newark his backyard. And at full gear, he is fighting every scumbag that told him he isn't good enough. And he will take the chip off his shoulder and shove it down all of their throats. Stokely Hathaway walks out, which I could have sworn this was strike three. Didn't he warn him? Like, you interrupt me one more time. Uh, So he came out to interrupt him. And MJF tells Hathaway he wants John Moxley at 100% and the firm is not to attack Moxley after the match with Penta tonight. And if he does, he'll be fired and then ends the segment with his catchphrase. He played total babyface here. And I think we're starting to see the picture is that here is the devil that is just taking all of these fans and just making them so gullible to love him. And he's going to fuck them when when it's when it's right. And I think that's where this is all going. And it's going to be the audience that feels totally deceived by by this guy at the end. Right. Because it's MJF, you know, I I think that's the, for a lot of people, for most people, I should say, maybe the, the first inclination is that this is all being set up for a, a big swerve later on. But are we discounting the idea that they simply want to get ahead of themselves, knowing MJF will be in Newark, in, in the New York, New Jersey area, and will very likely be cheered as a, as a major babyface for that particular match? So. I, I seem to recall the last time or one of the times they were in New Jersey. Like, didn't he just totally shit on New Jersey uh, being from Long Island? 
And now he, he they're trying to make like Newark like his, his it's my backyard. He like tried to, are, he tried to babyface himself in Virginia today, and they were loving him. So I I don't tell New York Newark would have would would cheer him very. Well. I mean because there's going to be a lot of New York New Jersey people in attendance, of course. So it's intriguing either way. You know they're not telling us a, a straightforward story that we would have expected with a, a MJF versus John John Moxley match. Um, they're they're definitely setting something different up with MJF. Uh, we don't necessarily know whether to cheer or, or, or boo him, but it is compelling either way. And it was really interesting to see, like you know, this was like a real glimpse of like what a full on MJF babyface promo might be like. It was also really interesting for me to see like the use of Renee in the segment. It's the first time I, to my recollection, have we've seen her sort of in a position of interviewing one of her husband's immediate rivals. And just referred to John Moxley. Like, didn't, like, there was no reference of like my husband or MJF calling it out, well, which she did say John. She said John. That's his name. Okay. Yeah, but you don't. You don't, you don't, you don't, you're not on a first name basis with somebody in this sort of setting unless you are close to him, right? Well, I, I thought it was notable that they didn't have MJF go that direction because that seemed to just be like, it, it was almost like there, like you could have used Shivani for this segment for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Um, in yeah. if they wanted Renee to be here, but they, they didn't go that direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm perfectly fine. Like, I don't discount the fact that maybe in the future they might, you know, but I thought, I, I thought they were going to, in fact, for this one and, and somehow like anger Mox so much that Mox will come out to want to get revenge. But I'm kind of glad they didn't go there. Um, personally, I, f- I think there's a real conflict of interest, you know, in the, in the kayfabe world of AEW. Come on. You can't have a person's wife interview their opponent. That's, that's a, and that's that's good. You know, there's no impartiality. What, what if she called him Mox, not Moxley? Mox. Mm, well, that's a bit better still. You know, so some of the line I'm questioning here. I, I have to. I, I, this is one where I feel like Tony should have gotten the job. The Kingdom did a promo addressing Warjo, and they call that a terrible tag team name. And Taven wants the TNT title, so that's going to happen on Rampage. Wardlow versus Matt Taven. <laughs> Somebody must clear be out really your happy. schedule way for Friday night. Oh man, I feel th- I feel kind of bad for Matt Taven, honestly. Like he just seems to be like the butt end of so many people's jokes. But hey, man, like this could this is a new opportunity for the guy. It could light a fire under his ass, and he could deliver a hell of a performance. But you know, it's it's rampage. What do you want me to say, John? Like it's we they, they it's on par with the rampage match you know here's a guy that like you, some people might have heard of you might not be that excited for this match but it's going to be for a championship that um likely won't change hands um and this is a standalone rampage as they as they've been and they have not been in, in, in impressive at all so i don't know this just seems to be on par sammy guevara versus brian danielson um, I thought this match was excellent. Um, Sammy Guevara lands this flying knee immediately and then a springboard cutter. Uh, Danielson comes back, Rita Romero special that they explain. Uh, he learned through it being applied to him by Jushin Liger and then Regal stating that Johnny Saint taught him the finer points of it as well when he was over there. And uh, at one point, Regal is uh, asked how close he is with Brian Danielson and Regal just says, he's like a fourth son. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Very, uh, fourth son, yeah, fourth son, yes. So, uh, Sammy Guevara is uh, g- 
getting lit up with, with kicks here, and then lands a knee off the apron and hits a top rope acai moonsault to the floor. Uh, he nearly hit the ceiling, and they go to picture in picture. Uh, Danielson is just destroying him, runs into a Spanish fly by Guevara, and then a backdrop off the top. Guevara lands on his feet, and then Guevara goes to the top, and he goes for a moonsault, landing on his feet, does the double moonsault a la Andrade, and does not oh hit my. it. He did Interesting. The, he did the Andrade double moonsault, and I don't think that was by mistake. And wow. gets caught in the label lock and then reaches the rope. Uh, Danielson gets caught with a one-man Spanish fly off the top. Guevara's biting Danielson. GTH gets countered with Brian Danielson hitting a poison rana. Busaiku knee and then applies the triangle while administering elbows for the stoppage at 15 minutes. Um, I thought these two were terrific. I thought Guevara was just at his best in this match. Danielson was tremendous. Just they brought it up like styles make fights. These two styles, I knew they would mesh well and they did. I, I really enjoyed this a lot. I did too. It was a very good match. One in which Brian, I thought as a character successfully showcased an even higher level of intensity than usual. Um, uh, and I did not even <laughs> notice that little subliminal. It's so funny. It's like, yeah, like in, in rap beefs, you know, some, sometimes like guys will just like throw in little references. And I suppose you can have that in pro wrestling as well, where guys can <laughs> just throw a little move in there as a, as a shot. Or maybe maybe they've they've kind of put the past behind them, and maybe this is all. I When's don't know. Andrade's video going to start, Eric? His video, his like, vlog. You mean? I was. He starts like, a vlog. No, like where where he's posing and he's uh, disappearing in the photo. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, maybe they'll come back and deliver. Um, I don't know GTH or, or something like that. Uh, Sammy is almost like a flawless as a high flyer, so he's very dependable in these types of matches. And uh, yeah, it was good. Nothing bad to say about this. Renee interviews Ray Phoenix and Alex Abrahantis. They're asked about Penta becoming a double champion. Phoenix wants to become a double champion too. And Abrahantis says you should become all Atlantic champion. So then Christian Cage and Luchasaurus walk in and they state that or Cage says that uh, they're going for the title and Luchasaurus beat Jungle Boy who beat Ray Phoenix. So they deserve the shot. Cassidy walks in and says, are you all talking about me? And next week, let's do this. So they all get title shots. So um, there you have it. It's it's not as tough to get a title shot as you make it out to be. Well, again, the ranking system is is no more. Like they haven't updated it since August. Um, and I, I, I'm fine with it. You know, people were complaining today about how there was no real direction for Penta. I agree that like big. They, they tried to explain. He beat he beat Volano four. So had <laughs> Volano four won that tournament, we would have got John Moxley and Volano four, which I would have been down for the year that guy's had. Oh, that goodness. should have been the match. Well, whatever you need to justify it, I suppose. Um, I think the problem is not the fact that like you know we're getting championship matches out of nowhere. It's it's the fact that like for Penta, where do you go from here as a single star? You know, like title challenges, world title challenges are the culmination of stories. They should be the culmination of chases, long chases. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're essentially kind of giving something away for Penta 
um, that at least should have had a bit more importance and a bit more, um, I don't know, weight put on it than just the one week challenge. Not to mention the fact that it's incredibly hard to like buy that somebody can beat somebody based off of a non build without the story, right? Um, I don't care about that as much for the All Atlantic Championship. It's a mid C level title that I think should be. Was that you a know, play on words? A C S E A level title? Uh, it is now, yes. But, you know, it, it should be like the type of open challenge title that, you know, I think the TNT title at, at one point is. Um, I'm, I'm not as precious about who gets those shots. Jamie Hayter against Riho. Uh, they had a singles match last December. Riho won that match. So this is this is the rematch. And Baker is getting involved constantly in this match. It was a. Uh, Quite prevalent on the show. Riho hit that crazy looking high cross to Jamie Hayter on the floor where she looks like she's coming down at like 90 miles an hour and then gets rammed into the apron. Hayter blocks a tiger faint kick and then there's a northern lights by Riho. Uh, Baker continues to get involved. Rio hits the code red for a near fall, misses the foot stomp and then takes a backbreaker from Jamie Hayter. Uh, Hater lands a boot and a ripcord lariat, which they really put over as a devastating finisher and pins Riho in 10 minutes and 52 seconds. So uh, they are even in their series way. And Tony Storm comes out to hold up the championship. So it looks like Jamie Hater will be the next challenger for the title. It's the the Rainmaker, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So she just needs a name for it. The uh, the Rain Hater. Uh, yeah, not that good. Uh They'll come out with something, I hope. Yeah. We'll work I, on it. She's got a great looking lariat. So, you know, to use that sort of move as a finisher, um, I, I totally buy it. Really, like almost every move that Jamie Hader does looks really devastating. She plays just a, an incredible powerhouse. And, and Rio's just the best baby face because yeah. everything looks like it kills her. Yeah. Like the size differential was definitely used to their advantage. Like Riho makes, maybe that's part of the reason why everything looks so devastating because it was on Riho. Really great chemistry between these two for that reason. You know, Riho has like really exciting high paced offense that really feels relentless and is able to get the crowd on her side despite, I think, you know, relatively long hiatus from the spotlight. Um, I thought they would be actually building to her uh, for actual title challenge, but that that's okay. Like, you know, Jamie Hayter, uh, makes more sense as a heel, and uh, it was a very exciting match. Hater versus Storm. Who who do you think the crowd will will be cheering for? And what do you think? I think they're hoping it's going to be like a big, a big uh, support for Jamie Hater. Like that seems against like Tony Storm. Really? You think yeah. so? I think that they feel like there's all this momentum behind Jamie Hater. I think that's the reason she's getting the match. Okay. And do you think Storm loses? It's possible. Like it's an interesting story of Jamie Hader having the title and Britt Baker wanting the title. Um, that gets you there to your just, long-awaited feud way. I just don't see it yet because, like, we we've heard so little of Jamie Hader on the microphone, and and to me, like, at least this at this point in AEW, if you're going to hold that championship, it feels like you need more of a presence on the microphone. Um, so all I'm saying is I don't necessarily see this being any more than another sort of notch on Tony Storm's win record. And is that going to be disappointing? You know, if you're uh, like uh, doing this, uh, of course they can always springboard a loss to Storm fr- from against Tony Storm as a way to again try to break her off of Britt Baker again. But I, I, I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting this sort of a title challenge to come come so quickly. Renee is with Eddie Kingston, and they referenced the segment last week with uh, with Penta and Phoenix and. 
Eddie Kingston's recent behavior. And he just grits his teeth and says everything's fine and tells everyone to stop worrying about him. And he would rather talk about the match between Moxley and Penta tonight, which he picks Moxley to win, which maybe something that plays into maybe as you're talking about what's next for Penta, um, Hmm. you know, one of his good friends picking against him here um, as he had two friends here having a match and then tells everyone to leave him alone. Interesting. Interesting. They uh, so so this is coming off of the intervention that took place last week. Um like this sort of anger management intervention. I don't um, think they got they through had. to him. I don't think this intervention worked. Now, was that supposed to lead to like like is this a, a bigger storyline of like Eddie Kingston somehow, I don't know, working through his anger issues? Um Yes. Or is that done? Yes, this is a question that would have prompted him to fly off the handle, but instead he remained composed here with Renee. A question about and like he, who's going and to he win? changed the subject to something more, um, more calming, such as two two best friends having a a war tonight. Okay, interesting. I mean, you know, if they're kind of doing like uh, an Eddie Kingston holding back his aggression, I, I'm assuming it's all just trying to build him up for a big, big release um, somewhere down the line. So. Who gets that? You know, what was interesting is that so many, uh, like a lot of the New Japan guys are over for these next two nights of New York shows. I was kind of curious if Mm. we'd get any cameos on the show. You have like Okada's over here. Shingo's here. Like a ton uh, are on the uh, the Friday night card. And then Thursday's the uh, the mystery show. So anyway, those are happening. Or vice versa. In New York. Yeah. uh, Like Eddie Kingston's headlining the the show on on Friday. So maybe Carl Anderson will show up. Um, dynamite i mean <laughs> I, I don't know about that it's very interesting all the uh all the all the machinations so our lineup for rampage on friday night in uncasville connecticut you are getting wardlow against matt taven for the tnt title madison rain against ty Mello, and claudio castagnoli and wheeler yuda against matt menard and angelo parker yeah Dynamite next Wednesday in Baltimore, the home of Sinclair Broadcasting. Jay Lethal against Darby Allen, the daddy ass birthday bash, Orange Cassidy, Luchasaurus, and Ray Phoenix for the All Atlantic title. Renee's sit down with Soraya and Britt Baker. That will be the main event. And then Chris Jericho against a former ROH champion. Yeah. So, well, so they, they said that now it, it doesn't have to be a world champion. Jericho has said that he's going to, for, against, uh, going to hunt any former ROH champion to down. So they've relaxed the qualifications a little bit. Um, I, that's, I sad- that's a sizable re- relaxation. It's like, have yeah. they run out? Have they run the gamut on available, like low key can't, can't show up? I'm, I, I feel like this kind of rules out low key. Eddie <laughs> Edwards opinion. is not around. Yeah. It could be anybody, John. You know who who's held any any belt there? Like okay, let's let's look at the TV championship lineage. Okay, um, it, it's a lot of the same names that have held this that held the world title. I'm trying to um, Tomohiro Ishii is a ROH TV champion. Bobby Fish, he's around. Probably not him. I would assume. <laughs> um, it's not going to be. Uh, what about Tony Deppen? Rhett Titus. Yeah. Minoru I mean, Rhett Titus, Rhett Titus has worked for ROH, but I just, I, is that appealing? I, I mean, I don't know. Okay, let's Could look be at the, Matt Taven. Let's look at the, uh, the, the, the pure championship. Okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be AJ Styles. Doug Williams. Would you want to see Doug Williams? I would love to see Doug Williams. John Walters. John Walters. 
Um, yeah, he's he's done like uh, judging for for the pure rules matches. That's right. Um, Come on, you got to be more obscure than this. You're like really out of nowhere. Come on, Josh Woods. It's going to be Josh Woods. That's, yeah, I don't know about that. Could uh, yeah, sure, he's there. Okay, so these are these are some of the um, the options that they have. I don't I don't know why they've expanded it so much. I don't know who could necessarily come out of this. Clearly, they have an idea for a match next week, and that person doesn't happen to be a former Ring of Honor World Champion. So it's got to be interesting enough to like warrant you know this sort of match. But um, but that person isn't a World Champion, so I wonder who it is. So you you don't have a prediction. You're not going to throw anyone out there. Uh, my 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 knowledge um, or memory of like former Ring of Honor TV or six man world champions um, is not. Maybe it's one of the boys, John. Um, it, it could be. Um, that's that that's <laughs> always know. possible. Um, Vincent, maybe it's Vincent. I'm going to go with Naruki Doi when he held the uh, the tag titles <laughs> with Shingo in March of yeah. 2007 for four weeks. Before losing them back to the Briscoes. Okay. Well, take your bets now, everybody. Drop your pick. And uh, we had a promo from Darby Allen, and he explained why Sting has not been around recently. He told Sting he's not happy about where he's going. He said, I listened to Ask Away, and they did not rank me at the top (laughs) of the four pillars. In fact, John even said I might be Mm. in third. And he wants to crawl into a hole and disappear. And Sting said, You can't do that. And Darby said, Well, I want to prove myself by myself and I'm my biggest weakness. There's no safety net and tells Jay lethal to tell his old friend to come to dynamite next week. So this was that friend that they referenced in the attack by the garage last week. So there's some mysterious Mm. friend from Darby's history that they are going to bring next week. That is Mm. sort of the story here. And lethal dot and Sutnam Singh just state that they're going to deliver a beating to him next week. Um, and that was that kind of yeah. kind of got the point. Yet more mystery. Who is his friend? You know, who's the friend? Who's the friend? Who's the mystery ROH champion? Yeah. Who? Um, Who? Well, I'm assuming these are all the answers to all of these questions are people that we have at least heard of in the wrestling space. I don't know who's a former friend of Darby Allen. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not on his Facebook or his MySpace, so I can't really see. But like, who? Who would be a big enough name for this reveal? In Darby Allen's history, Nick Wayne. Uh, are they former friends? Would Nick Wayne do this? Well, they're current friends, I would assume. Hmm. The your your Pacific hmm. Northwest uh, lineage. I don't know. Oh, keep keeping us guessing. Maybe it's um, I don't know. Someone from Evolve. Uh, Gabe. Not going to be Gabe. I don't Probably think it's going to be Gabe. Gabe. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> Chesapeake Energy Center. Oh, goodness. Main event, John Moxley and Penta for the AEW Championship. They recap Penta be- defeating Volano 4. So that that's what you lost tonight. That that could have been the match, everyone. That's what that's what Penta cost you. So Penta gets uh, suplexed into the corner. Moxley is biting and tearing away at the mask. He was he was having his own Roulette de la Muerte tournament here. And then there's a package pile driver that gets stopped. Moxley hits him with a cutter and then gets the bulldog choke applied. And Penta escapes. And the announcers state that he undid the clasp on his mask to escape the hold. Now, we never got a close-up of this. So I took their word for it that that's what he did. But he just got out of this. So, sure. I don't know if that would stop as a, a chokehold 
Oh, he undid his mask. Mm. I'm, uh, I, I'm going to release the hold now. I, again, I did not see a close enough, uh, close up uh, that shot. Was, of, of this. That was probably Alberto Del Rio's strategy when he fought Mirko Krokop was if he gets a, a hold on me, I'll undo the mask. The unclassing he, defense. Yeah. yeah One he just, he never saw that yeah. kick coming. Then John Moxley is staggered on the steel steps on the floor and you see Penta on the apron. I was like, Oh my God, please don't do this. He runs the apron and he's going for a Canadian destroyer off the steps. And thank God Moxley blocks him and just hits a DDT onto the steps. That would have been the end of Moxley. If they some, tried some, to complete this, some next generation kid out there is oh. just saw this and, and is, has making it a challenge to safely successfully pull off a Canadian destroyer in the same fashion. I'm sure. So the DDT is hit, uh, package pile driver for a near fall by Penta, and then he comes off the middle rope, kick to the gut, two Death Riders, and Moxley pins him in 12 minutes and 18 seconds. Um, okay, match. I, I, I don't think it would really reach to me the, the next level. Um, but the, the audience got into several of the near falls, which for a, a kind of cold challenger in Penta is probably the most that you can ask for here. It was a um, fine television main event, serviceable match way serviceable Serviceable. yes it worked i thought it was like i think of the standard that you would expect from from a pairing like this you know it was hard hitting um and it was very engaging for this audience um ultimately it was a good fun exhibition match to close off a dynamite um and ended early so you knew you were getting some angle at the end because this never happens on dynamite they go right to the last second yeah yeah it was a good way to close off the show um i like how, what's your feeling about like getting maybe getting back to the debate of like kind of throwing out like cold title matches like this do do you like the idea of at least like a rampage finishing this way because i guess the alternative would be if you wanted john moxley to headline a rampage sorry a dynamite for instance put him in a non-title match then you might have people complaining well why don't you just put the title on the line to make us care about it more what do you think would be the, the better thing to do i i didn't have as big of an issue like i, I think sometimes it, it kind of gets just like blown up like it was a couple day build for a championship match and i think the more they've gotten away from these rankings i think they're giving themselves the latitude to do this and i think the audience is going to as well um and yeah i think part of this was like this was a sexier main event by making it a championship match than a title eliminator and i think i think they're going to use that to their advantage like it's uh, i don't hold every you know making every title match has to be of this this great standard and you know that was you know, at a time when, you know, in the Attitude Era where, man, you would get title match. Like, it was always title matches. Like, they were never doing non-title matches. It was only in later years that they kind of um, pulled back on those. But, yeah, I, I think part of this was just to, you know, give, give a more compelling main event than a, a title eliminator. Yeah, but then you'll have the argument about people saying how, like, this kind of gives away the ending, you know, uh, because, you know, a title change is unlikely to take place with a two-day build. Um but, it, you know, it calls to attention, like, who AEW is after. Are they after the the audience that is already watching anyway, that will watch regardless of whether or not this is a championship match? Are they after that section of the audience that will only pay attention if they know it's for something significant? Yeah, I, I never fall into that where it's 
to me, like that's on the performers then of a, it might be a foregone conclusion, but I, I've watched countless matches where it's like, you know, there's, there's a moment in the match where they get you. They, they are able to do something and it, and it gets people like, oh my God, Penta might win. I, I, I don't think that's like this impossible hill to climb in some of these matches. I feel like though, that's within reason. Like on a two day build, I, I just don't know what they could have possibly done. You know, to to make you suspend your disbelief, especially when in the midst of they're in the midst of this MJF program with Moxley. But anyway. I mean, did anyone really believe Hangman Page was winning the title a few weeks ago? I mean, or uh, last week, I should say, like injury aside, like I don't mm-hmm. think anyone was everyone knew what the main event is for full gear. This match is just it's a TV match for the title. But to me, that that did not hurt the audience. It didn't hurt the enjoyment of the match up until the end. Um <laughs> You at least had story and you had b- promos building up to it, like to the point where I feel like you could suspend your disbelief a little, certainly more than tonight. Mm-hmm. But- You're going to run into that in a championship that like this is a title they don't flip around like they don't like outside of the, the punk and Moxley stuff over the summer. Like this is a title that is very well protected in mm-hmm. and that means, you know, you're going to want to have your champion on television and I'm sure they they leaned on the side that a championship match is going to be more enticing than a title eliminator. Yeah. And, and you weren't going anywhere either with the title eliminator. I, I, I didn't sense much of an issue with, with it. The angle afterwards, the firm comes out um, and they attack John Moxley going against the orders of MJF. Stokely comes out to watch. Then security follows. They get beaten up and they cut to the back. And there is Alex Marvez in front of the, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club's locker room that has been chained shut because they've been having their team meeting and now they've been locked and cannot come to help John Moxley, which I like mm, that that clever. detail that they added in here because it would have been a glaring hole to not address. And Moxley is trying to fight them back. Ethan Page drops him with a boot. MJF comes out and he's conflicted. He doesn't know if he should help or not. Runs down and he ends up stopping the attack and he fires Stokely Hathaway, leading to Ethan Page nailing MJF with a boot and the ego's edge and ends with Morrissey, W. Morrissey, lifting up John Moxley, or sorry, lifting up MJF and choke slamming him through the timekeeper's table. And that is how the show ends with MJF. So whether this is a, a full split of MJF from the firm or, um, one of those stories where MJF is going to uh, turn on everybody and it they were all doing this for uh, our amusement and MJF just had himself killed on the show. So again, because this is MJF, that is that might be the first inclination. You know, is that ah, he's still going to turn on us at the end? I feel like this Which was. I, I, I hate those angles. Like if this is oh the firm, we were all working together to to do this. I just had them well, uh, murder me. Well, this this the the fact that they shot this angle, I think, is de- de- deliberately done to take us off that trail you know and I, I i think i trust mjf enough to be able to tell us a story that makes sense that isn't simply like i let these guys beat the shit out of me just to kind of trick you trick you john moxley i feel like i give them a, a bit more credit you know to, to come up with a reason than that and and for that reason i i i'm i'm that much more curious about where this is going you know is this an actual babyface turn for mjf you know and and if so, what is the sort of end goal of this? Um, it's it's again, you know, very intriguing to 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 see them go in this direction and seeing how they might get out of this with something satisfying. Are um, you? Do you feel? Are you intrigued by just the 
uh, direction of MJF right now, or like, is this enhancing the Moxley match? That is the match mm. that they're selling because, you know, this was discussed like punk and Moxley. They, they went, they kind of deviated away from your traditional build and you didn't even know the match until the end. It was also like two baby faces going into that match as well. Like, would this be stronger if we just had MJF, as your despicable heel, Moxley as your beloved babyface, or is this um, like they're, they're trying something different here, where it's they're kind of going for that? Like, is MJF a babyface or not? Yeah, um, I'm interested just because uh, to see how they'll tell the rest of the story with MJF. But I understand what you're saying in that it's a very sort of MJF focused story that might kind of take away from the rivalry and the grudge that he has personally with John Moxley. Now we're, you know, now we're kind of being distracted by MJF versus the firm and how he might get revenge on the firm. Uh, is MJF truly, you know, trying to trick the audience is um, when the focus prior to this was strictly between the two and, and, and they, their hatred for one another. Does this kind of take away from it? Again, I have a lot of faith, you know, in both John Moxley and MJF in order to t- like for them to tell us a pretty cohesive story by the end of it. Um, I'm still probably of the mind that like, you know, this is all somehow being done to, to swerve how they explain the post-match attack tonight. Uh, they'll, they'll have to come up with something probably quite creative. Um, but there's still time, you know, what are we like less than 30 days out two, three episodes, uh, right? Three and a half, three more episodes of dynamite. Okay. So there's still a lot more story to be told. All right. Uh, that, that was dynamite. I thought, um, Overall, like uh, some very good wrestling on the show. I thought Danielson and Guevara was my my match of the show. The tag match was very solid with Swerve and Our Glory and FTR. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked what they did with Claudio on the show. Hater and Rio had a nice match and uh, and a perfectly serviceable main event with John Moxley and uh, Penta. So um, I, I thought it was a very good wrestling show uh, as well. Um, yeah, things things you can quibble uh, about. Um, I, I do feel overall, and I, it feels like both shows right now. I think I'm just kind of overloaded with like the the interference and stuff in, behind the refs back in front of the refs. It just seems like both shows are just going overdrive uh, on it a lot. That it's just um, that stuff's jumping out at me a lot on these programs. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just like so used to wrestling being built that way you know john like like when you have a bigger match to build to than the match that you're currently seeing on tv you always have to try to direct the viewer's attention at the end of the tv match to what you're trying to push on the pay-per-view and oftentimes it's it's done through distraction and dq finishes or or not dq finishes but in in aw's case but interference um yeah i thought it was a good addition of 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 dynamite solid in-ring content um star power was there so and the Very elite different. stuff is going to heighten a lot of interest for the show. I think that's going to have a big effect on uh, interest the next month, whenever they, they pull the trigger on the reveal of them and what they're doing um, at the pay-per-view beyond. Like, I think that's, that's going to really give AEW a boost now that they're mm. moving on to the next phase. And, you know, and, and with punk, it's, it's sort of just like when the next shoe drops in that sense, like if there's an end to the relationship or just, you know, reassessing things like he's hurt. So it doesn't really, there's not much to speed up. Otherwise you need a surprise and you need an attraction for, you know, like these four times a year, special pay-per-view types of types of shows. And if it's not going to be a debuting wrestler, then let it be the people that, you know, we haven't seen um, for a couple months now. 
let's go to your super chats and feedback. Yeah, we got one super chat here coming to us from Corey, who sends five dollars just to say I'm a longtime patron. I love the show. Keep doing what you're doing and happy five years. Hopeful for many more. Thank you so much, Corey, for uh, not only being a patron, but also for the super chat, just to, you know, send that very nice message. Um, we've heard, uh, we've, we've been getting a lot of great messages, uh, in fact, every, from, from a, a lot of people. And of course, um, you can get yours in via audio as we're taking voicemails now at memo.fm slash post wrestling. A lot of them coming in and you might hear them in some of these, uh, you know, little, uh, snippets before and after the shows uh, on the audio version of the podcast. Yeah, let me tell you, just uh, getting all these uh, these memos in, just to listen to them, boy, it just brings your mood up. To uh, what positive affirmation? Uh, oh, it's the total opposite of of uh, you know reading <laughs> some. <laughs> I, I, I want to keep this hot, this uh, this uh, the, the, these voicemails just going year round. I'm going to do this instead of Twitter. It's way, it's way better. Yeah, just you know, we should just have a comment box, but only like receiving positive comments. Yeah. All right, forum.postwrestling.com is where we go. Uh, Saeed from Vancouver starts us off. Was watching with a friend that doesn't really watch wrestling when FTR came out with the big pop. He said, "Man, people love them." And then the acclaimed music hit and said, "Never mind, they like like them a lot more." I somehow had to explain the scissoring. Another wonderful promo by MJF. Very fun show. Match of the night for me was Swerve and uh, Swerve in our glory against FTR. And my friend's favorite match was Sammy versus Danielson. He couldn't take his eyes off the TV and the picture in picture during the ad break. He did ask to watch again next. Wednesday. We've got a new fan. All right. Congratulations. So there you go. I'll add one to the uh, Canadian ratings tomorrow. Fantastic. Uh, We got a Cody from Maine up next who says, my biggest question coming out of this show is how long does the firm last from here? Without MJF as the star of the group, its future is very much in doubt. I will say they're left with some intriguing options though. A, let the group die out relatively fast after MJF and the BB and the B. BCC, get their revenge. B, try to elevate Ethan Page or Morrissey to a permanent upper card position. C, find a new leader. Do you see any of these options, for, any other options for the group? If not, which of the three do you find more likely? And does anyone spring to mind of who could join the group as their new star? I will say, like, I immediately kind of, like, looked at sort of the layout of the group uh, when, when the, the, the group was announced. And I definitely sensed a bit of sort of... um. Um, I don't know, um, sort of unnecessary, um, placement for an Ethan Page, somebody who's a tremendous speaker in the same group as an MJF, somebody who is also a tremendous speaker. The two of them are of a similar stature. Where would Ethan Page's place have been in a group with MJF and Stokely Hathaway for that matter? I think moving MJF out of the group opens the door for an Ethan Page to assume a, a, if not a full-on leadership role, then at least a semi-leadership sort of like, you know, maybe second in command next to Stokely type of role. Um, I think he he's talented enough to pull that off. What about you, John? I I, w- I would focus on Ethan Page. I, I, I don't like the idea of just like throwing people into this group. This group is not even established yet. I think that there was a great introduction and very poor follow-up. And I would be remiss, I think, for most people to be even able to name all the members, much less any chemistry that they've demonstrated, like of like these individuals, like that have all come together. Like what do 
everyone like there's so much to do just with the pieces you have i wouldn't want to be adding more ethan page is a more than capable um person to build it around uh promo wise I don't think you need more to water this group down that already does not have an identity on this show. It's like they've done a few big angles with them, but nothing to me that has established them as a big part of the show. So it's important that they follow up on this with something next week and we don't miss them for three weeks and then they're back. Do you feel like when the firm was established that this was always part of the plan, John? Or or do you get the sense that maybe this, this was a change of direction at some point over the past month and a half or two? Since the group's arrival, um, I I would imagine that they've like I I am sure that there has been some adjustments based on the reactions that MJF has received. Like I don't know if they would have necessarily believed that he was going to be getting such positive reactions wherever they go. And do you run with those? Do you do do you fight them? They're they're clearly not fighting them. They're in, in fact encouraging them now with the line about Newark being in his backyard and trying to encourage that for the pay-per-view. Like they want him to be a big baby face at that pay-per-view and whether it's all to, you know, pull the rug out at the end or it's like, man, it's we always talk about how hard it is to build up baby faces. If you have this overwhelming baby face star, like why why go against that? It's and that's when you do make changes to to plan so um i i could certainly imagine that the, the, this this firm idea has probably gone through some iterations because it's been it was a front burner angle then it was sort of just you know we're, we're never gonna have any interaction with each other that was established it's like you're never gonna see us together and then they're constantly like butting heads with each other and now you do a breakup angle it seems like it it's probably gone through some adjustments along the way popping up in gcw no yeah, mention which has never been that. has never been referenced here, um, mm-hmm. even though it works in storyline wise to their big angle or big story. Jesse from the six, an entertaining dynamite as ever, but I was disappointed that Hangman got nothing more than a passing mention on commentary. It bothers me both on a moral level, and that was a very scary incident last week, and on a storytelling level. It's not enough to just promote matches and events; you have to spend some time reflecting on them, make it feel like we saw an important match like. Last week, don't just move on to the next thing. AEW has a real problem letting anything breathe. Tonight, we had a world championship match, and it didn't feel important at all. Um, I, I can certainly see the... I, I guess you go... F- of. I will say this. If they had not put that statement out last week, and Hangman had not commented on it, I certainly would have been more so on Jesse's side. I think that they believe that their audience, at least, is aware that he was okay. They got this statement out. But that's still... I. There are probably people that tuned out last week and are not following like AEW social media. And I I think like you at least I, I wouldn't say them. probably, John. I would say definitely there are people, you know, of the of the million people that watch on TNT and, and more on PBR afterwards. I'm I have to expect a good portion, if not maybe a majority, aren't on AEW's Twitter. You know? Yeah, well, then it's an argument that, listen, that's how the show went off the air, that you could have certainly, at the very least, just showed Hangman's message. Like, that takes yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, And I feel like this will, by the end of the year, be sort of like my, well, one of one of several chief criticisms I have of AEW television. And it's that they they seem to be a show that I think is very much built on what is on the rundown. You know, it's it's as if like Tony Khan 
is booking the show based off of the match card um, that he's writing up maybe at a Jaguars game, you know, on the back of a piece of paper uh, when he's supposed to be paying attention to the football game. He's writing down, what are the matches I want to see? What are the dream matches I want to book tonight? And then just kind of throwing it out there on TV. And the TV show kind of reflects that. It's usually just action, 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 action. And and we do have some great, like, in-ring segments. But I, I, I think that's only for, like, the top certain programs you know um i I think there are like some real like television production basics of just you know whether it be using video packages or like you know showing some of the uh tweets in in discussion over, over the past week that um for all his faults i think the kevin dunn style of television has been able to like nail down really well um, and maybe AEW as a response directly to the WWE completely does not want to do any of that. But I think at this point, it's apparent that the show will really benefit from some of those production elements. We go up next to this person whose name is NVP film. Um, okay. So it's a lot here. Another very strong edition of dynamite with the show feeling like it has been back in the groove since the three year anniversary show. Swerve in our glory versus FTR was phenomenal. Uh, a fun main event and Guevara versus Danielson delivered more than expected with the match, putting in big spotlight on Sammy again. Gotta say, I think Renee Paquette's introduction to AEW programming has been a success. Nothing groundbreaking, but her personality shines through her backstage segments and she feels much better suited for, for it than Alex Barbez or having Tony run from commentary to the backstage area. Um, I, I agree. I thought they used her too much tonight. You know? It was it, it was a lot on, on the show. Like you have, um, I think you could spread it out a bit. Like it just felt it, it felt almost like jarring. Like just it just seemed like uh, the one where they go from backstage and we come back. She's out in the arena. But I mean, to be fair, I think we kind of just got used to Tony doing this as well. Like Tony was all over the show too. Um, mm. Maybe they could spread it out a bit more. Um, but it it it's a small thing. But it was um yeah it was it was a lot of segments tonight. You want to go up next? Brian in New Jersey. Another focus show with a lot of strong wrestling tonight. My favorite moments may have been Claudio's finishing sequence, taking out all of the JAS en route to victory, and Brian Danielson hitting a poison Rana, then doing the Nick Diaz flexing as he made Sammy pass out for the win. Main event was solid, but lacked drama given where things are going. The firm attack at the end was straight out of the Attitude Era and mid-2000s TNA, and a few dynamites of the past, but I like the extra touch of showing the Blackpool Combat Club's dressing room lock to explain why they couldn't make the save. If MJF is going face out of this, I hope he doesn't change too much. The nice touch to me was was like you know uh, Claudio g- suggesting the meeting in the back earlier like that that to me was I like, like the, that yeah there was a reason they the, were all the nice still detail. there at the arena and they were all in a room together and they did not have Regal on commentary too he was in the meeting mm, that's right finally we got a mug in who says Friedman not shying away from the surprisingly positive reception tonight almost had me buying it all. I bet at full gear he's going to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, even with the firm attacking him in Moxley. It was a strong episode with very good matches. FTR and Swerve in our glory set up the tiebreaker versus the acclaimed. I was pleased with the BCC's clean sweep against the JS, despite their ongoing issues. Claudio's hot tag offense was reminiscent of that string of offense from his WWE run, and the main event between Moxley and Penta was well done. Does anyone see Adam Cole, health permitting, face off against Jericho next week? He's the only three-time ROH champion. I would totally not do that match unannounced on a, on a week's notice for Adam Cole's return. A hundred percent, I would not. And the fact, like to me, they 
pretty explicitly said that it doesn't have to be a, a Ring of Honor former world champion tells me that you're you're not going to get a world champion. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't do that either. All right. Thanks, everyone, for the feedback. Lengthier show tonight, but thanks to all of you that uh, stuck along to check out all of this. And Andrew Thompson for joining us as well. Uh, follow him at Thompson underscore underscore and all of his work. Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube and at postwrestling.com. He will be there. Saturday, November 19th, tickets available, postwrestling.com slash live, a few VIP tickets left, and then general admission tickets also available there. And, uh, and send in your, your voice memor, your, your voice memos, your memories, your insults. You can insult us too. Memo.fm slash postwrestling. And, uh, there you go. So, some great ones that have been coming in. So the bar is high. The bar is high. That's what I'm going to say. Well, we have a very creative audience. I know that. So Wayne and I will be back Friday night for Post Wrestling Cafe members. PostWrestlingCafe.com, where we will be uh, chatting SmackDown and the big one, Matt Taven Wardlow on Friday night. Also, the latest edition of Ask Away is up there right now for all cafe patrons. Uh, also, all YouTube members, John and I answered a lot of your questions about uh, a lot of very good questions. As, uh, as John mentioned, we were asked about our um, thoughts on the four pillars. Three years into AEW's existence, we discussed whether or not uh, Paul Levesque's uh, new, you know, regime change has helped everybody, and who has suffered from it the most. We also talked about time travel, a topic near and dear to John Pollock's mind. Yeah, I wish we could go back in time and re-answer it. Um, so that's all <laughs> part of the latest Ask Away mailbag show up there at postwrestlingcafe.com so go check out that and all of the other shows uh, to come this weekend the nwa podcast will be live this saturday wrestlenomics dropping on sunday so go subscribe postwrestling.com and uh and leave us a thumbs up here on the video subscribe that's the that that's the your toll at the end of this video so that is it for us thank you for watching rewind to dynamite and we'll speak with you later this week